Joined now by Georgia's junior senator. You heard from Senator Johnny Isaacson in the outset there. Senator David Perdue with us now. Senator, thanks for your time this morning. Hey, Tim. How are you? Throw a curveball at you at the outset. You're not just sandbaggy. We'll get back to the continuing resolution, the budget process, the shutdown, the DACA debate. But I want your take on something the president's done in the last 24 hours or so. This business about slapping tariffs on uh, solar panels and something else, big washing machines or such, that are imported from, I think, specifically Asia, other countries. Your take on tariffs in general and these tariffs specifically. Well, you know, um, when, the, when the president came in uh, early this year, he wanted a 20% tariff across the board. Well, I, I fought against that and argued with him that uh, that wasn't the right thing to do. But I will say this. Right now, uh, if there is evidence of dumping where people are taking advantage of our markets at the disadvantage of our own manufacturers, then this president's job is to protect uh, domestic workers and consumers, for that matter, and help create a level playing field. And that's what he's doing in this particular case. Georgia Senator David Perdue with us. Okay, uh, the the long national nightmare, the three-day partial federal government shutdown behind us. By all appearances, the Democrats blinked on this one. On the other hand, there's there's no assurance that we're not going to have the same type of argument in a couple of weeks here. uh, As, again, all you did was fund the government for, what was it, three weeks? I know you're tired of this. Tim, it's the most frustrating thing. uh, Since I've been up here, this is what I've been fighting on. The budget process is what causes this. And you're right. The Democrats could shut us down again uh, February the 8th. Uh, I don't think they'll do it. I think they've learned their lesson. They overplayed their hand. Look, 80% of America wants a secure border with a wall, by the way. And over two-thirds wants a DACA solution that includes a border security with a wall and an end-to-chain migration, end-to-diversity lottery. And so I believe we're now on to the real topics. The problem, though, is... What causes this uh, lack of funding to start with, and it's the budget process. You and I talk about this a lot. You talk about it on your show repeatedly. But we've only funded the government four times in 43 years the way it's supposed to be. Senator David Perdue with us. Uh, the issue of immigration, DACA specifically, and just within the last few hours, Charles Schumer, Senate Minority Leader, saying not going to be any funding for a wall. The president saying no wall, no DACA deal. I, I don't know how intractable either of these parties are, but it sounds like the president's pretty well dug in on his position. Well, he's in line with the American people. The American people support the president's position on this. Eighty percent of Americans want border security with a wall, Tim. That's a new Harvard-Harris poll that's out, and it confirms earlier polls. Eighty percent of Americans believe that immigration should be based on skills. And so this is an issue that the president instinctively has been aligned with the American people all along. So I know the Washington media and the swamp up here in Washington uh, mostly don't get that, but the American people do, and the president's aligned with them on that. Another thing I've seen, and I don't have the number, maybe you do, but I've, I've seen some polling in recent days that speaks well to your legislation. You and Senator, I believe it's Senator Cotton out in Arkansas, who have legislation uh, that would roll back uh, legal immigration into the United States. There's polling support, for, a majority polling support for that. Well, thank you for calling that out. Uh, Tom Cotton and I have a bill called the RAISE Act that would move us to a merit-based immigration system like Canada and Australia have had for decades. This is what um, Lyndon Johnson asked for, it's what Bill Clinton called for, and it's what Barack Obama called for in 2012, and it's consistent with what Democrats have asked for all along. We want it now, and the Democrats are just upset um, like you can't imagine about this. So we're going to continue to push that. Eighty percent of Americans 
believe that immigration should be based on skills and not extended family. About a minute left here, maybe not even quite that, so I don't mean to launch into such a big topic here, but some of what we're hearing about the FBI, its behavior, at least the agents, uh, some of the agents, and maybe even some of the leadership, some of what we're hearing is frankly horrifying. I don't know how much more you know than we know about what's supposedly going on there, that this memo business and the rest of it. Should we be as concerned as, as I think we should be? Well, this is a democracy. We should all be very concerned. Uh, we've had some classified briefings up here. I know the intel committees have been working on this. But this declaration this week that was made public is very concerning. I, I am anxious to get to the bottom of all this. I was just in a classified uh, briefing yesterday on cyber. And uh, we are, we're in a new age. There's a new profile of threats to the United States. And at a very time when the world's more dangerous than it's ever been in my lifetime, Tim, we're in a financial crisis here, frankly, as evidenced by this shutdown the Democrats just did and the funding, the lack of uh, structure that we have in funding our government. Senator David Perdue checking in this morning from D.C. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thanks, Tim. Take care. You guys have a great day. Chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission. First occasion to speak since the Vogel vote of, what, a couple of weeks ago, early yeah. this month? The December Georgia, 21st. Late last month. Thank you. Georgia Public Service Commission uh, deciding to continue work on nuclear plant Vogel. Uh, there's some degree of controversy there, some degree of criticism there. We'll start there, move on to any number of topics here. Uh, the Vogel vote. First of all, you looked at it, I think, the way a lot of people did, even the ones who voted for it, and it was unanimous, was it not, on the PSC? Yeah, it was It was five. Uh, they saw it as a listen the, the the lesser of two evils the 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 best of two bad decisions yeah it was a dilemma it wasn't i mean no no one wants to be behind schedule and of course no one anticipated a, a bankruptcy of westinghouse which was owned by the big uh, toshiba japanese company they have sold westinghouse now to brookfield from canada brookfield builds a lot of infrastructure tunnels freeways uh they do a lot of public-private partnerships. Now, does up that there. sale yeah. impact this project, or is Westinghouse already out of the picture? No, Westinghouse will stay in the picture. They just they just have a new parent company, okay. and I've talked to one of the VPs up there at Brookville. I'm I'm feeling really good about Brookville, uh, but of course, you know, we've given Georgia Power more money now, more time. And let's get this thing done. Did you give him that haircut you talked about, uh, the the reduction in the rate on return of investment? Yeah, it wasn't a crew cut. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a trim. Uh, but I had to have something that I could get the majority of the commission to go along with. Uh, and so it wasn't what a lot of the uh, anti-Vogel groups wanted. Uh, but we did, uh, ultimately, after a motion an amendment from one of my colleagues uh, boost the cut to essentially $1.7 billion uh, uh, of, a, you know, of essentially a, rate, a revenue reduction is what we were calling it. And we've got a, a refund teed up uh, for ratepayers this summer. We're going to have a refund probably for this whole tax thing that Trump did. Uh, so folks should see some bill credits this month. I mean, not this month, but this year. It should be a good year for Georgia Power customers. Now, in terms of the project itself, if, if I'm down there working on Vogel on December 21st, I showed up on the 22nd, nothing changed, right? I mean, the, the work continues. Yeah, nothing, nothing changed. Of course, had we voted to close it, I mean, they would have shut the thing down and locked the gates and started salvaging equipment. And, I mean, it would have been what South Carolina's doing, which I consider a disaster. So in terms of the timeline, uh, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission, when do we get this finished? 
Yeah, 2021 for the first unit, 2022 for the second one, and I'm up for re-election in 22, and <laughs> it would be sure sweet to have the President of the United States come down here and cut the ribbon and, and have all of this sewn up uh, before uh, I have to face the voters again. Uh, you know, Do we need anything from Washington here? We need Congress to extend the production tax credits. Um, they, they will expire at the end of 20. Uh, 2020, and we do need them to extend it. We've got some time, uh, but I, um, I'm hoping David Perdue and Johnny Isaacson can get that done for us. Uh, Tim Eccles with us, Georgia Public Service. I, I didn't see this coming. I don't know if you guys did. Uh, the announcement of a couple of weeks ago that uh, Stan Wise, the chairman of the Georgia Public Service Commission, is stepping down. He's, what, February 20 or some such. Uh, and the governor will name a replacement. We think we know that it's going to be Tricia Pridemore. Uh, what, if anything, is the story there? Yeah, Stan came to... I guess me about a month ago and said, I'm, I'm going to step down and, and I want to do it on my own terms. So he set all that in motion. I'm not sure of the details. I weren't in, I wasn't in any of the meetings, but, uh, the governor's, uh, keen on Trisha Pridemore. She's been with them, uh, really since this campaign in 2010. So I've met with her, uh, several times. I think she's going to do a great job. It'll be good to have a woman on the commission. I don't, I don't, keep these kind of scorecards but is she the first woman to ever serve on the psc no angela spear angela spear i do came uh uh, was swept in with sunny Purdue's win in 2002 a lot of other things tim eccles in studio with us this morning we'll just hit on as many as we possibly can here i was just talking a moment ago with senator david Purdue. Mm -hmm. Uh, first question out of the gate dealt with uh this this tariff plan the president has rolled out i could impact a, a couple of things specifically large washing machines for whatever reason and solar panels that are imported from elsewhere I don't know if it's specifically Asia, but wherever. Uh, Senator Perdue said a couple of things. Uh, I didn't even get to hear his response, but he said, uh, I'm opposed to tariffs in general. And the president came into office talking about a tariff package across the board, talked him down from that when he says, but, says Senator Perdue, when you, when you can point to something as specific as what appears to be going on with these solar panels dumping, uh, is, is the practice that is it is at least alleged here then something has to be done and maybe that something is a tariff uh, what what if anything is going to be the impact here well I, I was against the tariff as well but i think the way the president structured it we can recover from it it's a four year it's going to phase out so it will give these american companies a chance to get stood up and get production going suniva brought the suit it was a norcross company uh, that, that had come out of that georgia tech incubator so I, I, think, I think a lot of these companies are going to uh, figure out how to make this work. What we were concerned about is we've got so many jobs related to installing all of these solar panels in our state. We, you know, the theory was that this is going to impact the, uh, I guess, the rate of, of deploying the solar uh, and therefore take some of these jobs away. So, but, you know, I think the president was in a difficult place. He had promised kind of an America first agenda. Mm-hmm. And how could he not, you know, do something like this? I, I think he was in a difficult position on this as well. I don't know if this is something you track or a number you walk around and you carry in your head. How many how many jobs related to the solar industry in Georgia these days? Uh, it's, it's, it's into the, the multiple thousands. I don't have it off the top of my head. And I, I, I hate to guess because... PolitiFact got me one time for guessing, <laughs> so I'm not going to guess. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got about 10 million solar panels uh, mm-hmm. on the ground. Now, what does 10 million solar panels get me? Yeah, 10 million solar panels gets you about 1% of our electric, electric need. 
Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commissioner, with us again this morning. Uh, talking about any number of things, as we say, this solar panel issue. Uh, where are we on terms of increasing, if, if that's even objective, and I know it is one of yours, uh, that you said about 1%, increasing solar's role in their solar's place in the portfolio in Georgia? Yeah, about every two years, we've doubled that amount. So, you know, when I, when I took office, we had like three megawatts, which was like, 30 acres of solar in the whole state, and, you know, and now we've uh, now we've got about 3,000. Uh, so we have really uh, we've really added a tremendous amount, and I, I would anticipate us continuing to add it at about the same rate. I don't know that we'll double it every single time, but I think if we're sitting here talking, you know, in 2022, I'm going to say, well, we've got 5,000 now uh, or 6,000 megawatts, which you know is going to take us up into the three or four percent range you know for our state as I, as I understand the limitations on solar as a reliable and efficient energy source they, they remain pretty much the same as they ever have we can't store it as effectively we can't store the electricity as effectively as we can in other ways yeah that's changing though I, I do think the batteries thanks to Elon Musk and all that's going on out there with Tesla and these others I, I do think you're going to see that change it, it, I, I believe the batteries will be the the thing of the 2020s right it's going to be the thing that states are deploying starting with california california's done with solar uh, their commission chairman told me uh, now they're working on energy efficiency batteries and electric vehicles or what they call decarbonizing the transportation sector continuing our conversation with georgia public service commissioner tim eccles republican on the psc vice chair on the psc from bogart uh, joining us in studio this morning pick up where we left off talking about uh, and i think we're talking about uh, solar panels and electricity that's generated by the sun uh, electricity in general electricity in terms of powering automobiles now you've driven around in one of those things for a while that we're seeing more and more of them out there we're not the leader in the clubhouse though I, I gather china is yeah china's way ahead of us on electric vehicles electric buses you know i was up, I was up in new york city last year meeting with con ed they they are the they're the georgia power of, of new york city and they had analyzed uh, some things about new york city where they thought they could implement electric vehicles uh, the number one thing was transit buses the number two thing was school buses and number three was taxis and ride share so I do think you're going to see something like like that uh, in other large cities where they begin to electrify buses. We got all this VW money floating down from the VW cheating scandal. I think the governor's going to be getting some electric Greta buses with that. So I think uh, UGA's got 19 electric buses coming. So I, I do think you're going to see a lot of electric transportation over the next five or six years. Yeah, and you've heard me, and we've had this conversation before. I've been not, not critical is not the right word. I just like to apply critical thinking to these things. Uh, there's this idea out there that if it's solar, there's no footprint to it. That ain't true. I yeah. mean, th 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 that, that simply is not the fact. No, I mean, there is there's a huge footprint uh, to, to solar, and electric vehicles are running on the fuel that's closest to them, right? So if you're... In Smyrna, Georgia, it's running on natural gas because Plant McDonough is powered by natural gas. If it's uh, over in Augusta, you're running on uh, nuclear power. You know, if it's down in Macon, you're running on the, in the coal. In the coal still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it just depends. Uh, geography really matters uh, when, it, when it comes to energy. We're not Germany. We're not California. And uh, we, have to do, we have to do it our way and make it work. So, but I do think EVs, because there, there are some other unintended positive consequences that happen. So, I mean, tailpipe emissions 
going down Peachtree Street or North Avenue or or Broad, uh, wherever you happen to be, and not having tailpipe emissions, having those emissions generated way out in the middle of nowhere at a coal plant, which, by the way, it's fully scrubbed. Mm. All the coal plants in Georgia have scrubbers on them. So, yeah, uh, you know, there's you can say that clean coal, scrub it. That's wasted breath in some circles. But people simply they don't believe you. They don't trust the technology. They hear the word coal, they automatically default to the word bad, and they don't go anyplace else. Yeah, I mean, there's no stronger environmental lobby in the U.S. than the Sierra Club, and they hate coal. Uh, they don't like fracking. And they have went to the mat to try to shut down Plant Vogel. So, I mean, what's left? You got wind and solar and maybe some hydro. And I just don't feel like that we can run the grid exclusively on that. I mean, California is 50% renewables, and they're having, they're having all kind of issues. They're going to have to do, they're going to have to turn backflips getting batteries just to be able to make things work out there. And Germany has enough wind and solar to power all of Europe when the wind's blowing and the sun's shining. But... If it's raining yeah. and cloudy, you know what? They're buying nuclear power from France, um, which they're ashamed of. They don't like to say. <laughs> they hate nuclear power. but And they hate France. Uh, and no. they hate France. But they, but they, have, to, <laughs> they have to keep the country running uh, because they are the strongest entity you know, in Europe. 919 Classics today. Shifting gears, you folks at the PSC and others, obviously, are concerned about issues cybersecurity, concerned about issues nuclear and their impact on, on our grid. I mean, there's your area of jurisdiction, our grid, and things that might impact it. How concerned should the rest of us be? Well, I, you know, the Department of Defense, and I mean, there's others really paying closer attention to, like, what's going on with North Korea. I mean, look at the, the false alarm in Hawaii and Japan the other day, and, you know, and, and really just the missile launches that uh, that North Korea has has done in 2017, uh, you know, he, here's the here's the scenario, and Ted Koppel has a great book called Lights Out from a couple of years ago. Think about the EMP. Yeah, talked yeah. about an EMP. Electromagnetic magnetic pulse. pulse yeah. uh, bomb. So, but even if they didn't intend to do that, let's just say they, they intended to shoot a nuclear weapon, you know, at, say, um, you know, Washington. Okay. And so the thing is, you know, the thing is at its pinnacle as it's going over California or whatever, uh, and we shoot it down. We detect it. We shoot it we down. We shoot it, it down, yeah. and it explodes in the atmosphere. Okay. Uh, over Wyoming. Yeah, over Wyoming. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, depending on, you know, how low it is and in a lot of circumstances, but it, it could uh, fry all those electronics, and uh, Ted Koppel kind of gives The pulse a, that would be generated. Yeah, 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 fry electronics and cars and computers uh, and— and so that's something that some states, uh, Virginia's doing some things with Dominion Energy, where they're taking certain key substations and they're putting more concrete around it and over it uh, to protect it or shield it against something like that. So I, I wasn't aware, and this is just me not knowing, I, I've been aware of the possibility of electromagnetic pulses, EMPs, for some years now, whether, as you say, there, there are supposedly, at least in theory, bombs that would create such a phenomenon or, or some other circumstance that might create it the same way. I wasn't aware that there's any kind of safeguard against it. Yeah, there is a, there are some safeguards against it. But, I mean, as, as, you, as you think about the risks that we have, I think Georgia Power and our commission and others, we don't feel like the EMP uh, situation is a viable risk to us, really. Mm. It could happen. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things can happen. I noticed that everybody, you mentioned Ted Koppel in his book, everybody who I've heard on radio programs and TV programs over the years, it reminds me of the Y2K thing. Everybody mm. who tried to scare me to death about Y2K was also trying to sell me a book at the same time. 
Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know Ted Koppel. I don't know what his motives were. I mean, this is, I mean, there was a whole James Bond movie about yeah. the EMP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Gold, Golden Eye. I forget, well, I forget mm-hmm. which one it was. But uh, I mean, it is a possibility, but not likely. And so, uh, but we are spending a lot of money on cybersecurity because there are a lot of hackers hacking. Hacking and getting into our system is a much greater threat, and they can do uh, they can do a lot. Of and a much more they realistic. Shut, shut plants down. Yeah, we've um, already seen it happen. I mean, in, in, in so many other sectors of our economy, I mean, the hacking that, that takes place, and all the concerns about the election hacking and all the rest of it, we've seen it literally happen in other parts of our economy and impacted there. Has, has it ever happened that somebody managed to I don't know impact a power plant someplace by hacking? Has in, that happened in, in the Ukraine? They shut the mm-hmm. grid down uh, wow. with a hack. Uh huh. Uh, but it hasn't happened in the U.S. Uh, because we've got good cybersecurity and we're spending money on it. But there, uh, the 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 case study for this is Ukraine. So folks can just Google Ukraine uh, hacked grid, and uh, they're going to. How gonna long was it down? Do you recall? It. it was down for a couple of days, I believe. Wow. Uh, it was it was a pretty incredible hit. Um, now we talk about that. Now I don't, again, I don't know anything about the Ukraine, but I mean we talk about taking down the grid as if there is the grid to take down. There's no the grid. We have uh, what hundreds thousands of grids across the country, right? I mean yeah, there's no one thing yeah, you could do, is they're there? They're interconnected. I mean, you know, they're you know, you do do eventually maybe get to the end of the the circuit or where your grid ends and someone starts. Uh, but uh, it, there's there's a lot of interconnectivity. I mean, c- because we are getting wind power from Oklahoma, and it's it's being unramped in the Southern Company system, you know, down in Mississippi, and then uh, and making its way, you know, through the system. So, uh, it, you know, it you know, so we're connected to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously backstops, and, and you can turn things off and. And, and stop the damage from happening. But, I mean, we have had major brownouts yeah. uh, or blackouts in the U.S. as a result of equipment failure. Yeah, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. This is, again, the example of me being typically the dumbest guy in the room. I can understand how you mentioned getting electricity generated by wind from Oklahoma to Mississippi and into Georgia, whatever you do with it. I understand how. We, we got a refinery out there in Louisiana. We put the gas in a pipeline. It comes through Alabama, through here, up to New Jersey. I understand how that works. That's just gas flowing through a pipeline. I don't understand the electricity that's out in Oklahoma powering my house here. I don't get I don't get it. selling and storing electricity and shipping it from X. I don't get that. I can't conceptualize that. Yeah, well, those electrons, you're not really having uh, them come to your house. Okay. Uh, we're getting credit for that. Okay, they're going onto the grid, so it doesn't. In the end, is it, it doesn't matter which single electron that mm-hmm. we get. Okay. We are we are paying for. 250 megawatts worth of power coming out of Oklahoma, whether the wind's blowing or not, they have to provide it, and it goes onto the Southern Company grid. So, you know, sure, Mississippi people are probably using those electrons, and then, you know, we may be getting electrons out of an Alabama plant mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or another plant. So, uh, it, electrons are different than gas molecules, uh, you know, because we do actually get the gas molecules as they come up through the pipeline, as you mentioned, it's being pushed up, you know, with compressor stations and then going, you know, down pipes into your house for you to be able to use gas. And none of that gas is being generated in Georgia or, or, or drilled in Georgia. It's all coming 
from out west. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. About a minute left here. You mentioned, uh, I think you said you're up for re-election again in 2022. Yes. It's been suggested that, that, and I know you wanted to do this as a member of the PSA, you wanted to elevate the profile of the Georgia Public Service Commission statewide, and I would say you've done that. I'd further say you've elevated the profile of Tim Eccles. Uh, You're probably one of the better-known public service commissioners, maybe in some respects, ever. Would that parlay into maybe a decision to seek some other office uh, outside the PSA? You know, I don't think so. I, I really want to finish playing Vogel. I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've really staked, you know, my reputation on this, and I want to finish it. So, you know, it won't be done until 2022. So that means I'm going to have another six years till 2028 if I win then. And so I, I guess I'll look at things in 2028. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll be uh, 68 years old uh, in 2028. And you know, if something opens up, you know, and people feel like I would do a better job somewhere else, I'm certainly willing to do that. And quickly, very quickly, you mentioned that at least the possibility that, that somebody else is going to step in and try to, again, make a, a run at stopping Vogel? Yeah, there's a reconsideration motion that we're going to be voting on a uh, week after next uh, where the Georgia Watch, which is one of our interveners, and uh, Georgia Interfaith Power and Light have uh, – you know, basically file for reconsideration with uh, about 10 complaints uh, that they have about the way my motion went. They, mm-hmm. they, they weren't, they weren't happy with the outcome and felt like that, you know, that, that my motion brought about some changes that they hadn't fully had a chance to pass. See where, if anywhere that goes, Tim Eccles, Republican public service commissioner from Bogart in studio with us this morning. Thanks for dropping by. Sure.